Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Guys, you got to read your bulletins. I'm not going to get into it. There's way too much stuff. There's Christmas plays and parties today, and it's busy. So uh, if your neighbor says I'm busy, just go, duh. It's busy. It's all I can tell you. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph before they came together. They were found uh, with child of the Holy Spirit. Um, then Joseph, her husband, let me clarify something right here, Steve. They're not quite married, but back in these days when you was courting and you was engaged, and you went and talked to the daddy, that was as good as done. The man was his man of his word, and he shook hands with the daddy, and, and it got done, Bob, the way it was supposed to get done. Amen? Amen. Is the church here today, or do I need to go someplace else? Okay, I mean, I got a Christmas message for you, so tell your neighbor to be ready for this thing. Um, anyways, verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. I'm reading King James, which means quietly, uh, and, and then he was going to break the engagement. That's what that means. Uh, and, and let me interpret it to you in adult language, uh, Randy. This is what it means. They was engaged. She was pregnant. He's not the daddy. Somebody say, oh, me. Oh, me. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> Amen. How many of you are from North County besides myself? If I'm, court, if I'm courting a lady, Thomas, and I'm engaged, and she comes up pregnant, and I'm not the daddy. The game is on. Amen? Uh, so what we're talking about here is peace. Marcia, the only way somebody can get over something like this is God actually touch you, Janice, and say, it's okay. You know, even, even in the world we live in today, in the natural, all these things are going on, but God's already touched something in your life. He's already ordained it in your life, and you can go ahead and go with it. Amen. You don't need to call your Facebook friends to find out what they think about him or her. Amen? Amen. What do you think about it? Oh, yeah, he's a handsome guy. Amen. And then as soon as you think he's Mr. Wonderful, somebody will come up and say, well, I heard, eh, it don't matter what you heard. God told me that I was supposed to be with this one. Hello. Verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord. So he's pondering all these things just like you and I would. An angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take Mary for your wife, for that which is conceived in her 
is of the Holy Spirit. He said, so the way she got pregnant is through the Holy Spirit. You're not going to understand it any more than Joseph understands it. But you're just going to have to take it in faith, say faith, that God has ordained this. Uh, and he shall bring forth the son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, they heard about this Messiah, but they didn't know he would come this way, and they didn't know his name would be Jesus. He'd be the savior of the world. He shall save his people from their sin. That's why he's coming. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord of the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin, so he's quoting Isaiah seven fourteen, basically. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Say that with me. God is with us. So when you feel, when you see the Christmas lights and you see the Christmas tree and you see all the presents and you feel the spirit of the Lord, that means God is with us. He's affirming that you're in the right place at the right time, at the right service, and he's speaking to you and he's moving and you got goosebumps. God is with you right now. Be assured it's the spirit of God. You know why? Because I invited the Holy Spirit to this service. And no other spirits are allowed to be here. You can applaud if you want to. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. All right. Let me drop this in and wreck all your theology. Look at verse 25. And he knew her not. That means he wasn't intimate with her until she brought forth her firstborn son. And he called uh, his name Jesus. And so what this means is you need to know that she had four other boys after this and had many daughters. And it talks about that in Matthew 13. I know some of you guys think uh, that she remained a virgin all her life. That's completely unbiblical. So today I come to correct your theology and exalt the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So let's bow uh, as we go to the Lord in prayer and share that news with your, with your friends. Father God, we just pray that we get the peace of God on us the same way this young man Joseph got peace on him. I pray, Lord God, that anyone is bound uh, by a spirit of disturbance, that they would be free from that, uh, that the power of the Holy Spirit would give them peace and joy today. And Lord God, as we bring by the offering box today, this Christmas offering box, let everybody be filled with joy as they give to the kingdom of God. And we pray that your name's exalted through this in thy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So applaud the Lord one more time. Let the offering box come by. So the second thing we're going to talk about today is joy. The next week we'll talk about hope. Then we'll talk about love. And make sure you're here for the play uh, on, the, on the 16th. It's going to be a, it's going to be a golly whopper. I can guarantee that. Uh, so Psalm 51, we're going to talk about joy and we're going to talk about the absence of joy and you're going to learn that joy is actually a spiritual force. And I forgot to tell you, some of you guys, if peace is fleeting from you, um, know this, when you get peace, your life will be free from disturbances. Uh, a lot of you guys are allowing these disturbances to come into your life and uh, uh, 
the forms of media and other things that everyone's always getting, they're getting interrupted. You go, I don't have any peace in my life. You, if you want peace, Terry, you got to go after it. You got to go after it. You know, and you don't, and I told you this, and I'm going to move on. You don't have to bring your phone to every single function that you go through. It don't need to be at the dinner table, and it don't need to be at all these different things. Amen? You can take a break from your phone every once in a while, and when you go back, it'll be just as stupid as it was when you left it. That's all I'm saying. And I know some of you guys got quote-unquote smartphones. Let's talk about joy a little bit. I'm, a, I'm just going to read. We're going to break it down. There's a lot going on here. Uh, I got to tell you, the last couple of services have been phenomenal. Uh, so I'm going to expound a little bit on this joy. And, and joy is way different than, than happiness. Uh, back up. Happiness is when something happens to you and it makes you smile. Amen. Somebody gave you a cup of coffee or an ice cream or whatever. So I was going through some of my uh, uh, YouTube short videos. You know, when you, I told you, you scan through them and you get, so I got onto this one thing. I didn't, you guys don't know this if you're my age, but kids pay an exorbitant amount to get new tennis shoes. If they're like Nike or whatever the name brand, they'll spend a lot of money on them. Just, just say a lot of money. money. Now ask me, say how much, Pastor? Well, I'll tell you, because I'm full of information. <laughs> I didn't know this, so I thought like it's 140, 200. Some of them pay thousands of dollars, Pastor Jay, for tennis shoes. 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. And then after you get them, you have to get them uh, authenticated so they're not knockoffs. So you get them, you get them, you get them uh, green lighted and put your thumb up. And then, then I told you, then after you get these real expensive tennis shoes, then you keep them in a box. And then you haul the box around with you wherever you go. That's intelligent. You just paid $9,000 for tennis shoes, and then you carry them around in a 30-cent box. If I spent $5,000 on a pair of tennis shoes, I'd stay up all night and guard it. Can I keep preaching like this? I'm going to. It's more of a counseling session, I'll tell you. Because I'm trying to tell you the difference between joy and happiness. And, and when they get these tennis shoes and they put them in a the box and they can show everybody that they're real. And then the other group is the people that get the watches. Wristwatch. See, I don't need a wristwatch because I have the time on my phone. On my smartphone. So I'm smart enough. Some of these guys pay millions of dollars for a wristwatch. Amen? And some millions and millions, and some of them match their car that they drive. <laughs> and when they get the wristwatch, then they become happy. And some of them buy them, and they're too expensive to actually wear, so they keep them at home and wear a knockoff so they can... 
And I just call that stupid. That's a Greek word for it. Amen? So ask me to tell you about joy, and I will. Joy is something different. Joy is something that uh, God has put in you. Remember that song you learned in Sunday school? I got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Sing it. Down in my heart. I got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. When you get this age, you can do anything because people don't take you serious anymore anyway. It's pretty fun, isn't it, when you crossed over the thresholds. You're not cool anymore, so you just continually be a dork. Does anybody use the word dork anymore? That's probably yeah, everybody our age. This is what church looks like over here. Have mercy on me, oh God, so we're talking about joy. This is one of the best displays of losing your joy that I can find in the Bible. And, and you're going to find out how bad King David wants it, needs it, and, and campaigns for it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according unto the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. God, I want you to blot out my transgressions. And you might ask me, say, Pastor, what happened to King David? I'll tell you what happened to King David. His eyes got him in trouble. Just say, oh, me. And so he seen Bathsheba on the roof. You know the story. He looked. It may not have been the first look, but it was the second look. That got him in trouble. Then he seen her, he wanted her, he takes her, he puts her uh, husband up in the front line, Uriah, he gets killed and he rubs him out and he said, everything's going to be honky-dory from here. You know, a lot of times we always want something that we don't have and then we get to something that we're not supposed to have and we find out we should have never had it in the first place and what we had before was better off than where we are now. Just look at your neighbor and say, I wish I would have left it alone. I always, I always do it. I, my, my wife and my dad always tell me, they go, don't tighten it too tight. And I, I just, I can, chef, I can take it right up to the edge. And my dad, my, if, if you're at the farm and you're tightening something up and you need to put a two-foot sap on the end of that wrench, kids, that's a, a bar, leverage bar. And I just can't leave it right there. And if I'm putting something together for my wife, she's like, don't tighten, say it with me, don't tighten it too Don't tighten it too tight or a pickle jar. I got I to gotta, I gotta crank her down. Because you have to be as strong as I am to eat a pickle in my house. It's a safeguard. Amen? And I know it would be better if I, if I say it with me, if I would have just left it alone. But I can't. I'm addicted to tightness. Does everybody, guys, feel better if you do just 
say amen or something. Yeah, all guys tighten it too tight. You're like, man, I could get an impact on it if you want me to. <laughs> no, all I'm wanting you to do is hang a coat rack for me so you don't need an impact. <laughs> oh, and I roll my, I got a whole battery operated toolkit, man. I come in here, I just roll. See, it's too heavy to actually carry in a bag, so now I got to put it on wheels. When I roll it up, boy, it looks like a, oh, decent. I got three batteries. One goes down. BC, I can bam. I can, woo. And when it starts going, da, 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 that means it's too tight. Say it with me. I wish I'd have just left it alone. And the church said, amen. I just, King David's the same. He goes, man, I wish I'd have just left it alone. Now I got, I'm in hot water. Verse 2, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. We know what iniquity is. It's gross immoral behavior. Cleanse me from my sin so we find out that what took his joy is sin. Intentional, habitual, willful. He just wanted to continue. And then this, this joy that he used to have has been extracted out of his life and it was replaced with, let's just say it, stuff. Just stuff. You wanted the car. I got, oh, I got to have the watch to match the car. In my case, mine would be like, I don't know if they sell watches for like Chevy Sparks. <laughs> Amen. I'm like, I'm matching the spark out there. Everything there's plastic and so is my watch. <laughs> Remember when you used to have a calculator on the watch? It, with the little buttons that nobody could actually press them, but you just had it there anyways. All right, praise God. He's, God's got his, woo. Amen. Like Noah's Ark just hit have Bible. Doesn't take nothing for the hippies to get distracted here, does it? Oh, look at the bow. All right, that's just, do this from, that's a sign from God. What the heck? Amen? For I acknowledge my transgression, my sin is ever before me. Verse 4, against you and only you have I sinned, and I have done this evil in your sight that you might be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. So he's a righteous judge, so he has to judge righteously. He blesses obedience and can't bless disobedience. And just put your finger up and just say, I got that. So you can't go out and do whatever you want to do and God's going to bless it. And remember, don't come back to church go, I think God's okay with this. <laughs> Me and Dr. D were talking about that. He's not okay with you acting silly. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity. So he's saying, he goes, I was actually conceived in iniquity and uh, in the sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth and inward parts. And in the hidden part, you make me known wisdom. Purge me with the hyssop. Purge is abrupt removal. So when sin is prevalent in your life and you need to get rid of it, ask God to purge you. It may hurt a little bit because it's an abrupt removal. When you're purging something, that means you're getting rid of it. Purging means you're getting rid of it. Some of you need to go through and purge your house. 
Don't look away. Somebody's elbow, they're like elbowing their neighbor with their leg. We did that a couple of times, and, and you'll be surprised at what you find. I'll keep going. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquity. So he wants this, uh, this iniquity, this gross and moral behavior removed from him. He said blot it out. And the only thing that can blot out sin is the blood of Jesus. Amen. Now we're getting ready to get in a very sacred area here. The Holy Spirit was only available in the Old Testament for certain special reasons. And King David had it. Here's what he says about it. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He, so somewhere along the line, he realized that his spirit wasn't right with the Lord. Something was off. Something, you know, he did in his life. And we already know what that is. He said, I need you to renew in me. So he had a, at one time, he had a new spirit in him. But now it needs to be renewed because something has taken hold of his life. And it's sin. Cast me not away from your presence and take not from me your Holy Spirit. Rise up with me for just a second so I can get this on you. I'm going to talk about the importance of the Holy Spirit. We're not at the altar call or anything. Don't worry about that. But we can bring the house lights down for just a second, Jackie. I want you to listen to this. So here's King David. He goes through all this. He's got all the money. He's got all the watches that match his car. He's got the Nike shoes, and he's got the box to carry him around in, and they've been authenticated. He's got all this wonderful stuff in him. But somewhere along the line, the joy of the Lord was extracted out of him because he lost the presence of God in his life. That, that's, a, that's a problem here. What does he say? He said, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. But being a born-again, baptized believer in Jesus Christ, we're baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit now. And David is saying, hey, if you're going to take anything, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Take my shoes, take my watch, take my Lambo, take all the horses I got in the corral, but don't take the Holy Ghost from me. Because if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you don't have Jesus Christ in your life. Amen. And you can't shout and you can't praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's think about that for just a second. Because at the end of time when Jesus talks about these seven churches, he said you need to make sure you come back to your first love. And, if you, and that means him. And if you don't come back to your first love, he said he would come and remove the lampstand from that church. And what that looks like is when the lampstand is removed, that means the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is removed out of a church, you don't have anything other than a social club. So go ahead and sit down now. Think about that. <coughs> when you don't have the Holy Ghost, you don't have a church, you don't have a relationship with God, all you're doing is going to a big, you can turn up the house lights. All you're doing is going to a big backslapping convention. You ever been to that like a tavern or you go to a, you go to like a lodge or something, everybody, woo, we're doing some bad. Yeah, you're, woo, you're doing good. Do that with me. Woo, you're doing good. We're making everybody feel good. It's called a backslapping convention. Yeah, woo, you're doing good. We're making everybody feel good and you know they ain't right. You're just trying to psych them up and psych them out. 
You know when you ain't doing right, but you get around the other guys and we start slapping each other on the back and then we all feel a little better until you leave that place or the high wears off. Where do I, where do I need to talk to? When the high wears off, you know that you still got this sin issue. Amen? Or after a while, Burger, when it, you know the worst thing in the whole wide world for a kid when he gets a new pair of Nike tennis shoes is when he gets a scratch on them. I'm going to tell you what that looks like. I'm gonna and, and guys, it's going to be hard for you to understand this, but I'm going to tell you anyways. Me and my wife was met somebody last week for dinner after church on Sunday. And you know how... Uh, when you when you're wa- I'm walking up to the steakhouse. I don't always take like the, you know, the concrete path. You know, everybody's like, "Oh, you need to go up the concrete path." I'm like, "No, I don't." I just I walk, walk through the grass, walk through the mulch, I walk or jump over bush, whatever. I got to get to the steakhouse. Does everybody understand the crisis that I got going on in my life? And when I do that, I'm not worried about if the boots are muddy or not. I have to get there. But I watched a young man. I'd never seen this in my whole life. Him and his mom were crossing over the same mulch bed that I walked through. This young man jumped over the mulch bed because he didn't want mulch residue to get on his new Nike tennis shoes. He didn't want to get them scratched up. If we could raise a generation that was more interested in getting their soul saved than keeping their Nike tennis shoes clean, we could whip the whole world. We could keep keep that salvation in that little Nike box and and carry it around just like, oh, man, we don't want anybody. And we polish it when you get home. Then they, they wipe them off. Amen? I wonder if we handle our salvation the same way as we handle our tennis shoes. And then he ends this story here, King David. He says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. So if I want to just ask you the question before we get into the rest of the message, would you like God to restore to you the joy you once had? You remember after you got saved, you carried it around in like one of those Nike, you're like, man, nobody's going to touch this, man. I'm going to keep this salvation polished and I'm going to make a covenant with God with my eyes and all this kind of stuff. Let's just pray that right now, that, that, that God will restore to you the joy of your salvation. So, Father God, we pray that we care more about our salvation than we do a pair of Nike tennis shoes. And, Lord God, I pray If we're off just a little bit today, uh, Father God, that you you check our hearts and and, and check our hands and uh, and straighten out whatever's going on in our lives. We need clean hands and a pure heart. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Turn with me into Luke 2 and we'll get into what we're preaching about. So that's, that's what it looks like when you have the absence of joy. So... When you have joy, this is what it looked like. You look like one of the shepherd boys. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 19, it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field. So I love the shepherd boys because I can relate to them, that they're always outside and they're always thinking 
uh, about the things of God. And there's not a better place in the whole wide world to meet God than outside. I'm just saying. I, I just I told you I was at a convention the other day. I was inside of a building for two solid days, and I thought I was going to lose my ever-loving mind. It's the most I've ever been inside in my entire life. And, and uh, I was so happy to get outside that even during one of the breaks, I just ran outside and told my wife, I said, I got to go outside for a while and just, just get some outside air. And if you can relate to what I'm talking about, say amen. It says, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. So here's all the shepherds outside, and the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were so afraid. And you got to know this, these, these men, these strapping men that are watching these sheep that sleep outside all the time, they were afraid. It really took a lot to get these guys to be afraid. Uh, and, 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 you know, the eagles and, and hawks and birds flying around never scared them and bears and all that kind of stuff. But when the angel of the Lord came, they got a little bit afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. We're talking about great joy here. This is something that comes from within, and it's not happiness. He said, this is going to bring great joy to all the people, not just you, but the people in the, in the city and the people in the rural and people all over the world. We got great joy coming. We're excited about it. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is Christ the Lord. And you shall find a sign unto you, and you shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, this is one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. He comes to the, the shepherd guys. They're on a hill, and he said, you're going to go find this baby, and this is the one that's going to bring peace on the world. He's going to bring joy into the world. He's going to bring hope into the world. He's going to bring love into the world. The angel and the multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest. Say that with me. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. Goodwill toward men. That means we're wishing good things on people, that people prosper and, and people gel in their relationship and they, and, and they have great health and, and all this kind of stuff. And we pray blessings on generations, amen. And we want their kids to do good. Goodwill toward men, mankind. We wish only good things. And it came to pass, verse 15, the angels were all gone away from them into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, let's now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. So we know that Jesus came. We know that we're born again. We need to take this message out to everybody that we come in contact with. Amen. Listen to this part. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. So these shepherd people came with haste. That means they didn't mess around. That means they didn't kick the can down the road. That means they didn't make up an excuse. That means I wish the world would approach 
this message of salvation with haste. That they don't wait for the next day or they don't wait till Tuesday. I'll, I'll talk to them at the Christmas party. No, he said, go with haste. That means go right now. God's looking for people in this world that it don't take two hours to watch 60 minutes. Amen? Amen. You wonder how ever, anything ever gets done in the political sphere. And you go, well, he got four years. We, if we vote him in for another fifth or sixth or seventh, eighth year or something, no, it won't. They're going to keep kicking the can down the road because there's no urgency in the world anymore. Amen. There's no urgency. The, you you got you to coax the kids to get out of bed now. We need to approach this with haste. We need to approach this. This is the most important thing in the whole wide world that the world knows about Jesus. So when we get out of these doors, we need to do it with urgency. And it needs to be done now. And that's why I believe that he called on these shepherd boys and not a bunch of politicians. Because all the politicians would have to gas up their limos and talk to their buddies and they'd have to do a photo op and everything. You ever see that with people when they're doing the Lord's work? Not you guys, but people go to other churches. They want to do a photo op. You don't need to do a photo op if you're doing anything for the Lord. You don't need to know if any, what anybody thinks about that. I thought about that today when I was getting out of bed. God, God's watching. He knows, he knows if you're approaching his kingdom with urgency. So they find this baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it wondered at those things that the shepherd told them. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had, had heard and seen. It was told unto them. So now I'm going to ask you to rise up. And I want you to listen to this. So we're talking about this and... And, and I was thinking about this. I, uh, Terry, before the, the, the first service, I walked by the Lord's table. It's over there and it's over here. And I, I don't just take the, the Lord's Supper like it's every, you know, first of the week and all that kind of stuff. You, you need to take the Lord's Supper as many times as you need to to remember what he did for you at the cross at Calvary. And I looked at it and I look at the cracker and I look at the juice and God reminded me of the body that was broken and the blood that was shed on the cross at Calvary and reminded me, the Christmas tree reminds me of the baby born in the manger. All these are symbols that all point to Jesus. I'm excited about Christmas. I, 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 think, I think if you can hang more lights, hang them. You can put up more trees, put them up. What are we waiting for? Well, I think that looks a little gaudy. Good, that's how I want it. I want it gaudy. They go, that looks like it's over the top. Keep putting them on. And I come in the other day, and I come in this building here, and I seen Pastor Aaron and little Brocky hanging more Christmas lights in the hallway. I was like, rock on. You can put more lights up, put them up. The lights all point back to Jesus. The tree points back to Jesus. Amen. The baby in the manger is Jesus. Amen. Salvation is Jesus. Yes. You can't go over the top. 
with Jesus? For heaven's sakes, if we're going to buy million-dollar watches and drive Lamborghinis and have shoes that match and carry them around in a little box, you surely can hang a couple of lights for the Lord. I wish I was making sense somewhere. You ought to be putting them on your bike and putting them on your truck, inviting people over. And watch this. My Christmas parties at church, I like having them during Christmas time. I don't, I don't want to have them in January or the, the months down the road because it's too, if it's too busy, you got things backwards. Cram it all in December. Let's go. God's trying to mold our character. He ain't trying to get you comfortable. salvation isn't really that comfy when you think about it. Jesus had to die. He had to be resurrected. You had to give up your old life and Troy then you had to take the new life with Christ. It, it's kind of it's kind of uncomfortable for a minute but, but what a great transition. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to get to preaching. I got a new couch and we got recliners everywhere. You know what the recliners are designed for, little Richard? To make your your backside comfy. Just make you more comfortable. And now they're not even lazy. There's not, lazy boys aren't lazy enough anymore. Lazy boys, you just threw, you just threw like a, uh, a stick shift, you threw it, boop, threw it forward, and he could just launch you back. And I weigh a lot. So now, Connie, it's electric. Watch this, I'll show you where I push the button, I'll move this up. And I do it twice, just as I can't believe I own one. I do, and I adjust it back and forth just like this. I go, I can't believe it. And I got like three or four there, and I, then I got them all at the farm too. I got electric recliners everywhere, and they're designed to make you lazier and all get out. Let's be honest. Did you ever notice that? And before you sit down, woo! I got to have chips, water, coffee, phone, I ain't never coming out of this thing. Right, Michelle? Do this with me. Woo! But God showed me. He said, you've been sitting in it a little bit too much, Rankin. So me and my wife always do our devotions right there, and we, we talk about God. He said, I want you to pull an old wooden stool up this time when you converse with your wife. He goes, I don't want you that comfortable. Getting that comfortable can, can attribute to laziness. I want you to be comfortable. Drive your heated cars to your heated church and drink your hot coffee. It's all good. But don't get too, don't get too used to sitting in a recliner. So I set a stool there, and me and my wife had this last devotion. He said, I want you to be ready and sitting on the edge of this stool when I come back to get you be ready and it's hard to be ready for anything when you're sitting in a recliner let's be honest 
Some of you guys got beds like that. And if the place was to go on fire, it would, oh boy. So I'm going to pray for you. Anybody that's comfortable. Just throw your hand up right now and just tell God, I want to get out of my comfort zone. How about that? Woo! Getting out of the comfort zone at church. Just start by just saying, oh, Lord. He'll understand that language. I'm, I'm a comfy person. I, I'm comfy. But, oh, Lord, forgive me. Spiritually, I got lazy. Oh, God, I remember after I got saved, I told everybody in every store, every quick trip, every gas station, I used to leave tracks. I used to be excited about God. Do you remember those days? We used to go around and sing Christmas carols everywhere. We didn't care who was listening. I want that church. Who cares if your Nike tennis shoes get a little dirty? Get them dirty for God. That's all I'm saying today, church. Let's pray. Father God, I don't know who's born again here. But as we get ready to approach the Lord's table, you, you have taught us that we need to approach with clean hands and a pure heart. We have to be born again believers. So my prayer is this prayer, that your church understands the best gift it could ever give to you is yourself, ourselves to you. Just tell God, I want you to save my soul today. Save me, Lord. Save me where I'm at in my comfy recliner in my comfy shoes, in my comfy car. Save my soul where I'm at. I, I got so dang comfy, God, I, I'm afraid to do anything anymore. I'm, I'm afraid of everything. Get me out there, Lord. God, I want to live on the edge for you. I want, to, I want to be your voice box. I want to be your ambassador. Help me be more like you this Christmas. Thank you, Father God, for sending your son. Say this with me. Thank you, Father God, for sending your son, Jesus, to be born in that little manger. I accept that free gift today. As I approach the Lord's table, I give you all the glory for the wonderful salvation that I have in my heart. And all God's people this Christmas said amen.